The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Last time I was here, a few weeks ago, I spoke about fear. And a couple of, I made a couple of uh, significant points. One was that we face our fear, that we even embrace it rather than turning from it or all the strategies that we can find to avoid fear, avoid dealing with it. The other was that we could rename it or reframe it, as we say in therapy. Um, Rather than seeing it as fear, we could see it as an awareness, a vigilance, uh, a being open and uh, seeing things clearly. So today I want to speak about love or compassion or loving kindness. It's the season of love. And it's a very involved topic, but uh, hopefully I will pique your interest and your thinking about it. A Zen card says, All beings want to be loved and accepted. That is something you can give to them. Love completely, unselfishly, and unconditionally. That's a big task. Uh, Not an easy one. A Christian theologian and scholar, Marcus Borg, has written this book, Jesus and Buddha, The Parallel Sayings, with a foreword by Jack Cornfield. And he suggests that of all the parallels, the parallel of love and compassion is the most striking. Jesus' main mission or main uh, message was love. And of course, a basic underpinning of the Buddhist teachings was compassion. So let me share just these two examples. Jesus said, Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. From anyone who takes away your coat, do not withhold even your shirt. Give to everyone who begs from you. And if anyone takes away your goods, do not ask for them again. The Buddha said, Hatreds do not ever cease in this world by hating, but by love, or non-hate. This is an eternal truth. Overcome anger by love. Overcome evil by good. Overcome the miser by giving. Overcome the liar by truth. 
And Jesus said, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. And the Buddha says, Just as a mother would protect her only child at the risk of her own life, even so, cultivate a boundless heart towards all beings. Let your thoughts of boundless love pervade the whole world. So you see the similarity. Both are talking about living with an open heart not closing our hearts to anyone. Sort of like the sun or the rain that falls on everyone. The sun doesn't shine on you or me or somebody else. It shines. It is the sun. The rain doesn't pick where it falls. It falls on everything. And so... We can be love. We can love unconditionally. That may seem impossible, and sometimes it might be. But that can be our goal. Rather than loving and having the love go to a specific object or a specific person, we can be love. Or B, act lovingly. For me, love is kind of an umbrella term. It's it's difficult to define. There are many, many terms, um, many, many ways to define love. And all of them are limited. Words are limiting. I have a difficult knee, so I'm going to be moving it from time to time. I don't think we can have love without acceptance. I don't think we can have love without respect. That's one of the most important for me. I don't think we can have love without compassion. I don't think we can separate love from understanding or from loving kindness. Remember the Dalai Lama says, he practices a religion of kindness. So love encompasses all of these other qualities, gratitude and generosity. So it's the overarching Um, quality, emotion, thought. Love can be a thought as well. And love does not necessarily come easily. Sometimes we think it does or we think it should. It should be natural or it should just come very easily. But that isn't always true. I remember 42 years ago when um, my daughter was born. I had read 
or I learned as a nurse that that many mothers don't instantly love their babies. That's a fallacy. For some, it takes a few hours. For some, it takes a few days. For some, a few weeks maybe. It takes longer. It's something that grows and develops. It is not necessarily, it might be for some, but it's not necessarily instantaneous. And I think this is important to remember that love comes through practice. We practice loving. And, as I said, there are many different kinds of love. Love is not always soft and gentle. Sometimes it is, and that's important. We need that. But sometimes it's tough, or it needs to be tough. I'm reminded of the story of Sharon Salzberg when she was in India. And was accosted. And she was able to get away. But when she was telling her teacher, Munindra, he said, Sharon, with all the loving kindness you could muster, you should have hit him over the head with your umbrella. That's tough love. (laughs) I also um, think of a story that Gil tells in his book, A Monastery Within, about a monk that was practicing acceptance. I think the story is titled The Deer and the Tiger. And this monk sees a deer that is wounded and is laying down in the grass And a tiger comes along, and he is so sure the tiger is going to eat the wounded deer. But the tiger doesn't. And amazingly, what he does is stand guard over the deer for several days until it recovers enough that it can take off. And he's so impressed with this. um, He says, you know, it really is true that acceptance is everything. So then pretty soon, a monastery very close by begins to burn. And the monk accepts that the monastery is burning. And it burns and burns, and he accepts, and it burns to the ground. And he is so sure that he's practicing correctly by accepting. So then the abbess comes around, and questions him about what happened. And he explains that he was very accepting of this monastery burning. And she yells at him and sends him off, tells him to get out of here, that there's a time for accepting, and there's a time for action. There's a time to be a tiger, she says. And she sends him off and says, do not come back until you can be a tiger. For a spiritually mature person, it is important to both accept and to know when to be fierce, like a tiger. So it's important for us to remember that love is not 
only soft and gentle, maybe like a deer, but it also can be fierce, like a tiger. One of my favorite authors, Galil Gibran, says this about love. For even as love crowns you, so shall he crucify you. Even as he is for your growth, so is he for your pruning. Even as he ascends to your height and caresses your tenderest branches that quiver in the sun, so shall he descend to your roots and shake them in their clinging to the earth. Like sheaves of corn, he gathers you unto himself. He threshes you to make you naked. He sifts you to free you from your husks. He grinds you to whiteness. He kneads you until you are pliant. All these things shall love do unto you that you may know the secrets of your heart and in that knowledge become a fragment of life's heart. So love can often be misunderstood. We often have sort of romantic notions about love. And especially at this time of year, there's all kinds of platitudes, aren't there? All kinds of sayings, which, which might have a limited value, but don't express the depth and the breadth of, of true love. I'm reminded that the near enemy of love is attachment or desire or lust. And very often we confuse attachment with love, don't we? We think we love someone, a child, a spouse, a parent, a friend, but really it's Attachment. There may be love also, but it's filled with attachment. And sometimes the other person feels that. They don't feel free. They feel bound by that kind of love. So remembering that a romantic notion of love can be very limited. When I was very young, I was so naive about love. I bought all the cultural, uh, you know, magazines and movies and etc. notions about love. And I didn't have a clue. I didn't really have a clue what true love was about. I feel now at this age that I'm just learning. I'm just beginning to understand the true meaning of love, the depth of love. I have found that that love is often strengthened through adversity. I've experienced it in my own life. I've seen it in other lives. I've met and worked with people who have had long-term relationships and Almost, I think, to a person, those relationships have experienced many, many tribulations, many ups and downs. 
with spouses very often they have come close to divorce or have actually separated for a period of time and then come back together. And they have all said that the adversity that they experienced, the difficulties, the trials that they went through, helped strengthen their love. Often it's true with parents and children, isn't it? Love develops through all the difficulties and trials and experiences of parenting a child or a child being parented. Children know parents' weaknesses. They know our our strengths and they know our difficulties. They know our warts. They know the best of us and they know the worst of us. And likewise, parents have dealt with all the difficulties of raising their children. And I think a lot of that is what deepens and, and brings together that deep bond that we know exists between parent and children. So love demands all of us. Not just some of us, or not just when it feels good. Love is not about receiving. This is a huge lesson. It's about giving. Many years ago, I had an interview with Gil, and I was complaining about not feeling loved by, you know, whomever, my mother or my daughter. And he gave me some very wise advice. He said, forget that. Just be love. Or just give love. And so I have remembered that over the years when I have a tendency to feel unloved by somebody or not properly treated or whatever, drop that, forget that, and me just act lovingly. Me just be love. Sometimes we have to let our hearts break over and over and over again. Sometimes if we're not treated lovingly, it hurts. It really hurts, especially if it's someone very close to us. And then the tendency is to close, to constrict. Can we remember then to breathe and open, to reopen if we have closed our hearts? Catherine Hepburn has a beautiful saying about love. Love has nothing to do with what you are expecting to get. Only with what you are expecting to give, which is everything. What you receive in turn varies, but it really has no connection with what you give. You give because you love and cannot help giving. If you are very lucky, you may be loved back. That is delicious, but it does not necessarily happen. 
That's a pretty tough statement about love, isn't it? Everything to do with giving, not necessarily anything to do with what you receive. How often have we truly been able to love like that? Probably not as often as we would like. Certainly for me, not as often as I would have liked. And Mirabai says, Oh, my friends, what can you tell me of love whose pathways are filled with strangeness? When you offer the great one your love, at the first step, your body is crushed. Next, be ready to offer your head as his seat. Be ready to orbit his lamp like a moth giving in to the light. To live in the deer as she runs toward the hunter's call. In the partridge that swallows hot coals for love of the moon. In the fish that kept from the sea happily dies. Like a bee trapped for life in the closing of a sweet flower. Mira has offered herself to her Lord. She says, the single lotus will swallow you whole. Can make one afraid of love, can't it? Last night I was watching, maybe some of you did too, Phantom of the Opera. And it's a very complicated story, isn't it? Every time I see it, I learn something more. But what struck me last night, because I knew I was going to be talking about love today, was when Christine, Christy was, um, well, the phantom had taken her lover and had him tied up, strung up on a rope, ready to hang him. And he demanded of Christy that if she wanted to save him, she must profess her devotion to the phantom. And by that time, she had seen his face. So you can imagine she would be horrified to do that. But this was what love asked of her. And she did it. It was more important to save her true love than to be ruled by her disgust at the sight of the phantom. And as it turned out, she did it with passion, with a very passionate kiss that involved compassion for the phantom and for the life that he had lived or the life that had been denied to him because of his deformity. So sometimes love demands much of us. Sometimes we must love until it hurts and then give more, and then love more. Sometimes it means loving the unlovable, forgiving the unforgivable. Quite a big task. But we should not be overwhelmed by it. We set the intention. We incline our hearts towards forgiving, towards loving what is unlovable. And let our hearts open, or again, let our hearts break over and over again.
And gradually, gradually, we come to a deeper and deeper love and a deeper ability to love. We open our hearts and our minds to whatever love presents. And we don't know, do we? We can't ever become complacent with love because we don't know what will be next. We don't know what will happen. True love opens to all. So I'm reminded, some of you may have noticed a card um, where we place cards for people that have died. And Kate was asking me earlier if it was correct because my mother died uh, December 4th. And her name is very, very similar to mine. So somebody may have seen it and wondered. (laughs) It wasn't me. It was my mother. But, um, you know, as many mothers and daughters do, we had our rocky times. We had our difficulties. And over the last several years, where she was declining and I was more and more in charge, um, ultimately in charge of everything for her, all the difficulties faded away. It's not that I forgot them. It's not that they weren't a part of our relationship. But again, I think many of the difficulties and learning to keep my heart open and hers as well, I think, um, created a deeper bond a deeper love that in a way transcended the difficulties, in a way grew out of the difficulties. It became um, a very sweet love. And it became, in some ways, I used to think, you know, um, yes, she's my mother, but in another way, she's a 94-year-old woman that needs touch, that needs attention, that needs... And it became impersonal in a way also, just being love. Tony Packer, a Zen teacher, says, Love knows no fear and no dependency. It has no possessions and no attachments. Love is without sorrow. No possessions and no attachments. Again, the similarity with the Sermon on the Mount. Another author says, Even when a river of tears courses through this body, the flame of love cannot be extinguished. So it occurred to me that some might ask, what about loving ourselves? Is that not important? And I think there are a couple of levels. Yes, on one level, we are just as important as anybody else. 
the Buddha said, you could wander the whole world over and never find anyone more deserving of your loving kindness than yourself. But at the same time, if we just are love, if we just act lovingly, then who is there to love? We're just love. So it's not loving ourselves or loving anybody else. It's just love. We don't love in isolation. We love in community. When I marry people, at the end, I often invite the community of family and friends to support this couple. Just as it takes a village to raise a child, so it takes a community to support a marriage. The community of family and friends. So it's important to remember that we don't love in isolation. We are part of many communities. And it's important that we support others and that others give us their support. Joanna Macy says, Joanna, our, what did I read? Our elder teacher, well-respected teacher says, a supportive community helps you move through despair to re-engage your gratitude and happiness. It's this happiness not a passive, solo bliss, but an active, connected love that sustains your work for collective liberation. Just like the Bodhisattva in the Mahayana tradition that works for the liberation of all beings, not just him or herself, but all beings, and sometimes it's said, puts off their liberation until all beings can be liberated together. From the Zen tradition, Avalokiteshvara is the embodiment of compassion, of love. And Kuan Yin, the Chinese female embodiment of compassion, and love. So two things that I want to leave you with that I think are important from this. The first is that we be love. That ultimately, rather than loving objects or people, we just become love. And love open-heartedly, unconditionally. The other that I think is so important is remembering that love can be strengthened through adversity. That just because we have a difficult time or just because perhaps our heart closes to someone, we can reopen it. And just like when we break a bone... And the bone heals, it's actually stronger at that point. 
so too our love can be stronger when it has been tested, maybe even broken, and then come back stronger than before. So we have about five minutes. I wonder if there are comments, questions. Thanks. Brigitte, um, you brought up early on that, I mean, I understand that or, or agree with you that love shouldn't be conditional and shouldn't be, uh, have an expectation for return. Yet, we, I think as a human condition, we also need to be loved back. So I'm saying, yes, we should, as Catherine Hepburn said, real love isn't expecting it to come back. You're lucky of it. But I think we all, all need to be loved as well. Does that mean? You know, some relationships aren't returned, but you need to have some that are. Where do we go with that? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a good question. Yes, and the first, the first thing I read says, all beings want to be loved and accepted. We do. It's true. Um, you know, sometimes we say everyone wants to be happy. I have often thought everyone wants to be loved. Yeah, that's, that's a deep need. Um, a couple of things... One is that one way to be loved is to love. When we give love, it often comes back to us. When we're needy, (laughs) that is, wanting and trying, striving to get love, often that doesn't work. Again, people can feel it and, and put up a resistance to it. So, you know, there's that saying, be what you want. (laughs) I think very often practicing loving, practicing giving love is a way to have it returned. It's kind of circular. It does come back. But your question also reminds me of something I heard just very recently about Nelson Mandela. And that was when he and his wife Winnie Um, divorced he didn't love her any less but he could no longer be married to her and I think that's the tough reality sometimes whether it's a spouse or parent child or or whatever Um, sometimes situation is such circumstances are such that we can't continue in the way that the relationship has been. And then we do whatever, we separate or whatever. But we can keep the love. We don't have to close the heart or let go of the love um, because the relationship isn't going to stay in the same form that it was. You mentioned... um respect as being essential for love, uh, but that has a number of meanings, like you can have an attitude or uh, treat someone with respect or respectfully, um, but also, uh, in my mind, can also mean uh, how you uh, evaluate, you might say. I mean, I was just recently 
reading about Adolf Eichmann and how we learned that he wasn't really just a mindless bureaucrat. He was really a very uh, evil person. Mm. And in, uh, maybe you could tease apart the different aspects of uh, respect that you might feel towards somebody like that. You would feel respect towards someone like that? No, that if, if you want to um, follow the injunction to love unconditionally, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but then if you need respect for love, how does that play? I think you can respect the person um, without respecting the actions. So as a human being, he deserves our respect as much as anyone. But it's respect with understanding or with clarity. Um, Knowing what someone has done can be important. We don't want to... This is the difference, I think, between mature love or respect and um, a more superficial. So we don't close our eyes or pretend something didn't happen or somebody didn't do something. But we can still honor them even as human beings. Sort of similar, not, not quite the same, but, but I was thinking about, um, I have a great deal of compassion for homeless people. And uh, I have a great deal of respect for them. I don't think I could do it. I'm quite sure I couldn't do it. So I respect their position. I respect them as people. I may not feel love towards them. I may, there may be this overarching love of, and respect, but not necessarily if it's someone I don't know or someone who has, has done something unlovable. Um, for me, it would be easier to respect them than love. Maybe I'm complicating things more. <laughs> Does that? Yeah, I'm, I'm just wondering if, uh, if maybe just the, the idea that respect is needed has to be conditioned or um, clarified in terms of different meanings of respect. Some apply and some don't. That certainly could be true. Yes, yes. Yes, I'm speaking of respect um, as a human being, honoring someone as a human being, um, no matter what they have done. Yeah. Is it time? Okay. <laughs> right. I will. I will be here. And so, if you have further questions or comments, please feel free to come up. And happy New Year to you all.